It is 8 October. Is that right? Yeah, it's 8 October. It's uh, Sunday. I'm Charlie Garrett, and this is the CG Prophecy Report. Leave the bone alone. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, uh, it's, uh, we got some news from Israel, and as I normally do with things like the uh, crisis in Israel right now, I don't see any need in talking about it. And the reason why is because every single person on this planet is talking about Israel. Everybody's got an opinion on Israel, and uh, everybody is uh, analyzing it, and it's very early in the stage of what's going on. Israel has obviously responded. Uh, what I recommend, rather than me sitting here and talking about what's going on in Israel, is you go to thecgreport.com, and at the very top, I have a link, and it's the Times of Israel, it's a live blog, and every minute that something happens, they post it. And so you can follow along exactly with what's going on from moment to moment. You can scroll back and see everything that's gone on, the videos that are being filmed, um, that is what I recommend to people rather than uh, listening to a lot of analysis that as at this point really has no bearing on anything until they have a plan set which will probably start being enacted very, very soon. Night is coming. It's, uh, let's see here, it's right now 1030, 1130, 1230, 1131, 32, 33, 34, 530 in the afternoon there. I had to do that with my fingers. Sorry about that. It's 5.30 in the afternoon the people of Gaza, the residents, to move. If they don't, it will now be on them. Uh, and one thing I will say about what's going on is that uh, I've seen videos of people participating in action, and there is always a little child with them. And so they, they are bringing children and women into these scenarios purposefully, knowing that if they get killed, so will the little children, and then they can blame Israel for being baby killers. So, Charlie, uh, what is that link? Uh, it's thecgreport.com, okay? And I update it every day, It's but with the uh, link at the very top, it'll take you to the Times of Israel uh, live blog. Just scroll through it, and I try to keep it updated with interesting information from around the world, but um, that'll, that'll be something that will help you at least keep up with what's going on in Israel. Anyway, I got some articles from Israel that uh, probably other people won't be talking about because they're talking about what everybody's talking about. Uh, Zero Hedge, U.S. admits Israel into the visa waiver program and major upgrade to ties. This is something they've been waiting for, they've been hoping for, and it has happened. That means that people from Israel no longer have to have visas to come into America. Uh, the Netanyahu government just pulled off a major diplomatic victory, reaching a long-time goal toward upgrading U.S.-Israel relations. Mayorkas has agreed to Israel's entry into the U.S. visa waiver program, which means that for the first time, Israeli citizens will be able to travel to the U.S. visa-free. It will take effect on November 30th. However, Arab groups and Palestinian activists have charged that Israel has failed to change its entry policies in practice and that it will still discriminate against Palestinians. You've got to wonder why after what just happened there. 
Even if they are U.S. citizens, the ADC said that it had filed a lawsuit against Israel's VWP designation. Credible reports and ADC's own investigations have shown that Israel failed to meet all of the legal requirements for admission, the group said. Abed Ayub, the ADC's executive director, told Al Jazeera earlier this week that by letting Israel into the program, the Biden admin has endorsed and embraced Israeli discrimination and apartheid, blah, blah, blah. From the Times of Israel, over 120 Jewish activists call on advertisers and app stores to drop Twitter X. Now, this has been going on, but they've been accusing Musk of anti-Semitism and all the typical things that the left loves to do. This is a left-directed attack, just so you know. More than 120 Jewish activists, and we can say all lefties, have signed a letter appealing to major advertisers to end their relationship with X, the platform previously known as Twitter, owned by Elon Musk. They say it's a breeding ground for anti-Semitism that represents one of the largest dangers to Jews in years. They don't care about that issue. They care that he has got free speech, that people are posting things that are contrary to the mainstream media narrative. Having said that, I'm not going to read any more of that article because it's pointless, but you get the picture. This is the left attacking Musk. Uh, Musk came back at him. He brought suit against the ADL, which is a bunch of lefties as well. And all of a sudden, I think it was yesterday, Times of Israel, ADL to resume advertising on Elon Musk's X, despite lingering anti-Semitism concerns. They got caught. They know it. They didn't want to have to go through with the lawsuit, and they're out there. They will now shut their mouths and do what they should do, is let free speech reign. From JNS, Paraguay plans to open Jerusalem Embassy in November, coming soon. Our history brought us together, Pena told Netanyahu. The present brings us together, but the future will bring us closer than we've ever been. Israel will also reopen its embassy in Paraguay's capital of Asuncion, if I pronounce that right. Anyway, they, um, uh, I brought that up a couple weeks ago. The previous administration had shut all that down, and now this guy is in there, and he says, we're going to do it. And there it is. Times of Israel, Germany signs nearly four euro billion deal for Israel's Aero 3 missile defense systems. I told you that might be coming two, maybe three weeks ago, and it happened. They signed the deal. Okay, some news from Christianity today from CNN. Pope Francis suggests for the first time that some people in same-sex unions could be blessed. He made the suggestion in a letter to his harshest critics within the Catholic ranks written in response to a letter from five conservative cardinals with formal questions called a dubia, that's Latin for doubt, which is an official request for a yes or no answer from a sitting pontiff regarding his running of the church. The cardinals first sent the letter to Francis on 10 July. It focused on an upcoming October meeting of bishops asking what impact it could have on church's teaching and included questions about uh, the Pope's intention to bless same-sex unions and whether he intends to open the door to women priests through ordination. Unsatisfied, they're asking for a yes or no, and of course he didn't do that, unsatisfied with the Pope's initial response. According to a blog post by American Cardinal Raymond Burke, the five cardinals reworded the Dubia letter and sent it again on August 21st, citing the gravity of the matter. The Vatican then released a letter in Spanish dated September 25th, signed by the Vatican's new chief of doctrine. 
The response includes Pope Francis's answers to the dubia signed Francis. On the issue of homosexual unions, the pontiff reiterated that the church only recognizes marriage as a union between a man and a woman, but opened the door for blessings of individuals and same-sex unions, the letter shows. When you ask for a blessing, you are expressing a request for help from God. Anybody know what he's just done there? He's equivocated on the meaning of blessing. That's exactly what he's done. A prayer to be able to live better, a trust in a father who can help us live better. So what he says blessing means in this letter doesn't mean what blessing means according to the Catholic Church and these cardinals. So once again, he's not giving the answers that he should be giving adding that a clergy must show pastoral prudence, must adequately discern if there are forms of blessing requested by one or various people which do not convey a wrong concept of marriage. The Pope's response appears to contradict his statement in March when he said that the church could not bless same-sex unions because they could not bless sin. He's equivocating. That's a fallacy, and he's very good at that type of thing. From Breitbart, liberals aghast. <gasps> Shockingly few U.S. Catholics support Pope Francis on climate change. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to read that article just simply because you get the point. It says, let me read you the last sentence. It found that a minority of U.S. Catholics, 44%, subscribe to the theory that the earth is warming mostly due to human activity. So they don't care about that issue. From WBAL-TV, Archdiocese of Baltimore files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy amid potential child sex abuse lawsuits. What is this, the 22nd diocese this month? Archbishop says bankruptcy protection, here it is, listen to this. Bankruptcy protection will allow church to equitably compensate clergy sexual abuse victim survivors. I think it's exactly the opposite, but that's how they spun that. And then I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I just thought I'd read a tweet from Sam Parker at Sam Parker Senate. The Romiki family is a white Christian family of nine who fled Germany 15 years ago because the German government punished them for homeschooling their kids. After they were initially granted asylum, Merrick Garland's DOJ fought the decision and won and is now seeking to deport them. It won't take a genius to spot the immigration policy hypocrisy and anti-white hatred emanating from the U.S. government on this. New American survey reveals continuing Marxist infiltration of mainline Protestant denominations. Last week, I did a report for you on the communist state of the United States of America. This week, that article comes out. Exactly what we were talking about. They have an agenda. One of the main agendas is to destroy education and the church in America. They are succeeding at it. Okay, we got some news from the Mideast and Africa today. From World Israel News, foreign policy expert, Israel and Saudis have already normalized. This is his take on it, that even though they haven't done it in writing, it's already done. Having watched MBS's, who is Mohammed bin Salman, recent interview when the Saudi crown prince told Fox News that peace with Israel is getting closer every day, coupled with Netanyahu's Friday morning address to the UN General Assembly, which was two weeks ago now, Jonathan Shanzer decided to go out on a limb. Israel and Saudi have already normalized. 
When the formal agreement comes is anyone's guess, wrote Schanzer, senior vice president for research at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. It will be a thrill to see, but that signing ceremony matters less when ties are already deep and maturing. Netanyahu's talk at the UN was reportedly carried live on Saudi television. I hadn't heard of that until this article, the first time that that has occurred with an address by an Israeli prime minister. I believe that we are at the cusp of an even more dramatic breakthrough, a historic peace with Saudi Arabia, Netanyahu said at the UN, and they broadcast that live in Saudi Arabia. Unbelievable. From Newsmax, U.S.-Saudi pact tied to Israel deal, Palestinian demands shelved. Saudi Arabia is determined to secure a military pact requiring the U.S. to defend the kingdom in return for opening ties with Israel and will not hold up a deal even if Israel does not offer major concessions to Palestinians in their bid for statehood. Three regional sources familiar with the talk said, A pact might fall short of the cast-iron NATO-style defense guarantees the kingdom initially sought when the issue was first discussed between MBS and Biden during his visit to Saudi Arabia in July 2022. Instead, a U.S. source said that it could look like treaties Washington has with Asian states or even that it would not win U.S. congressional approval. It could be similar to a U.S. agreement with Bahrain, where the U.S. Navy Fifth Fleet is based. Such an agreement would not need congressional backing. Washington could also sweeten any deal by designating Saudi Arabia a major non-NATO ally, a status already given to Israel. But all the sources said Saudi Arabia would not settle for less than binding assurances of U.S. protection if it faced attack, such as the September 14, 2019 missile strikes on its oil sites that rattled world markets. Riyadh and Washington blamed Iran, the kingdom's regional rival, although Tehran denied having a role. Agreements giving the world's biggest oil exporter U.S. protection in return for normalization with Israel would reshape the Middle East by bringing together two longtime foes and binding Riyadh to Washington after China's inroads in the region. This is why that's so important is China. The Palestinians could get some Israeli restrictions eased, but such moves would fall short of their aspirations for a state. As with other Arab-Israeli deals forged over the decades, the Palestinian core demand for statehood would take a back seat, the three regional sources familiar with the talk said. So the Palestinians are going to have to wait. The Antichrist deal is not at this time, despite what many people are saying. And uh, that will come about eventually, though. We know that there'll be a seven-year peace deal, and uh, that'll be signed by the Antichrist. And if you want to know the timing of that certain uh, section of events, we're going through that right now in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. All you need to do is go watch last week's Bible study, which we started there, and then that will continue for the next few weeks, and it'll give you an exact timing of the end times events, which is laid out by one individual. Nobody else gives these uh, events Paul does, okay? If you're taking other people's uh, timelines of things, like Jesus from Matthew 24, it doesn't fit because Jesus was not speaking about those particular issues. He was speaking about issues that dealt with Israel in the end times, not the church prior to the end times. So go start with uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1 on Thursday study and follow along with us. Uh, From Al Jazeera, Swedish prime minister seeks help from military from the military as gang violence rocks country. 
Sweden's prime minister announced that he will hold talks with the head of the Swedish Armed Forces and the police commissioner to discuss ways to stem gang violence following a wave of attacks that have resulted in at least 11 people killed so far this month. Prime Minister Chris Dursen said that he would meet with the Armed Forces Supreme Commander and the National Police Commissioner to explore how the Armed Forces can help police in their work against the criminal gangs. What they need to do is round them up and ship them back where they came from. Sweden has never before seen anything like this, Christensen said in a rare televised address to the nation. No other country in Europe is seeing anything like this because nobody has done what they have done to this point. A lot of them are following suit and they'll see exactly the same thing coming in a few years. Um, when it says in Daniel that uh, the, you know, the, in the end times, the societies will not mix. It's like iron and clay. It's because of what's going on right now with these bodies. Of course, they're not going to adhere to each other. Uh, they have different goals. They have different priorities. And one of them is not living in harmony with the people that they've come into the land of. Uh, no other country in Europe is seeing anything like this. Two people were killed in separate shootings in Stockholm on Wednesday, and a woman in her 20s was killed when a bomb tore up a house in Uppsala in the early hours of Thursday. This is last week, not this week. This is a difficult time for Sweden. Chris Dursen said, we will hunt the gangs, we will defeat the gangs. It was not immediately clear in what capacity the military would get involved in tackling Sweden's gang problem, but previous proposals have focused on soldiers taking over protection duties from police to free up more resources for crime fighting. So we'll see. Now something interesting from Mongolia. And this is very interesting. I think you'll find it very interesting. It goes along with something that happened a few weeks ago where the women's Mongolia cricket team played and they didn't quite win. Nepal smashed T20 cricket records in Asian Games win over Mongolia. Nepal became the first men's team in the history of cricket to score more than 300 runs in a T20 international as they rewrote the record books against Mongolia at the Asian Games. Nepal bludgeoned 314 for three in their 20 overs, surpassing the previous highest of 278 for three by Afghanistan against Ireland in 2019. Kushal Mala, batting at number three, led the way, cracking the fastest T20 international century off just 34 balls. He was followed by, I can't pronounce this guy's name, who finished the innings in ridiculous fashion against the hapless Mongolian bowlers, hitting eight sixes in an unbeaten 52 off just 10 balls. He reached his 50 off nine balls, another world record, beating uh, India's, another name I can't pronounce, 2007 effort against England, which took 12 balls. Mongolia, whose women's team were bowled out for just 15 in the Asian Games, were dismissed for only 41. So Mongolia's not doing so well. They might find something else to pursue than cricket. <laughs> Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times. 
Gizmodo says, scientists recover RNA from an extinct species for the first time. The last known thylacine, the largest marsupial carnivore in recent times, died in Tasmania's Beaumaris Zoo in 1936, but the animal has recently been the target of de-extinction efforts. And now, a team of researchers has managed to recover RNA from the creature, the first time such a feat has been accomplished for any extinct species. The researchers extracted, sequenced, and analyzed RNA from an approximately 130-year-old thalassine specimen in the Stockholm Natural History Museum. The team's research describing the recovery and its utility was published in Genome Research. Like DNA, RNA is a molecular structure made up of nucleotides. RNA is single-stranded and is used in protein synthesis and carries genetic material in some viruses. In the recent study, the researchers identified RNA from the desiccated thylacine specimen's skin and skeletal muscle tissues that coated proteins. The thylacine was a carnivorous marsupial endemic to Tasmania and, in the more recent past, Australia. It was overhunted in Tasmania during the late 19th and early 20th centuries after being blamed by the Tasmanian government for the killing of livestock. The animal was also pushed to extinction by habitat loss and introduced diseases. Recently, the de-extinction company Colossal Biosciences stated it would attempt to produce a proxy species to the thylacine and introduce it to the forests of Tasmania which the species inhabited a century ago. Colossal also says it has plans to create proxy species of the woolly mammoth and the dodo bird. Woo! Iconic extinct species that disappeared some 4,000 years ago and about 350 years ago, respectively. Okay. It's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation prophesies of, including bringing back extinct species that carry other plagues, but from Zero Hedge. Excess deaths from cardiovascular diseases up 44% last year among UK citizens aged 15 to 44. Now, I can't imagine what would cause this, but I'm going to read it anyway. Using official government data for deaths in England and Wales between 2010 and 2022, former BlackRock portfolio manager Ed Dowd and his partners at Finance Technologies found that excess death rates from cardiovascular diseases were up 13% in 2020, 30% in 2021, and 44% in 2022, which point to a worrying picture of an even greater acceleration in coming years of deaths and disabilities. What's more, they found that deaths per year had been trending lower from 2010 through 2019. It had been going down, and all of a sudden it went up with a significant downward slope until 2020, when the trend reversed. They also found that in 2022, men began outpacing women in cardiovascular diseases. The analysis also found that disabilities are skyrocketing. Dowd and company conclude that when looking at excess deaths for cardiovascular diseases, the Z-score in 2020 was around three, indicating that prior to the start of some certain event that happened right at that time, there was already a signal pointing to an increase in cardiovascular deaths. 
That trend, however, accelerated substantially in 2021-2022, where we observed Z-scores of around 7.5 and 10.5. These are extreme events that we believe need a thorough investigation. Will it happen? From ABC, Nobel in medicine goes to scientists whose work led to mRNA vaccines against COVID. Nobel Prize, Zero Hedge, over 277,000 vaccinated COVID-19 cases hidden by CDC in 2021, newly obtained files show. Right there on the CDC website. Uh, from the Gateway Pundit, OSHA head now says, we didn't demand that anyone be fired and denied issuing a vaccine mandate for 84 million Americans. And they're just taking history and there you go. Jewish voice, Biden FDA vaccine advisor refuses latest COVID shot, raises concerns over heart failure spike. Biden's vaccine advisor. Morality is declining. From Fox, conference cancels panel on biological sex in human skeletons over transphobia fears, commits a cardinal sin. I think they should leave the bone alone. But anthropologists from the largest associations of anthropologists in the world canceled an event discussing the importance of biological sex in the context of studying the human skeleton while citing transphobia that's the reason for the panel being cut. They just don't want to talk about this anymore. The American Anthropological Association, or AAA, and the Canadian Anthropology Association, which is C-A-S-C-A, -A, were skewered for walking back approval for a panel event at its 2023 conference discussing biological sex. They said that it was now tightening its review process to ensure such an event wouldn't recur in the future. The event in question discussed sex identification, whether an individual was a male or a female, something you need to know when you're identifying remains. Using the skeleton is one of the most fundamental components in bioarchaeology and forensic anthropology. So if a cop finds a dead person, they need to know if it was a woman or a man to identify what happened to the person and maybe whose family it is. This is the science they use. They don't want to talk about this anymore. One of the speakers who was slated to attend, Elizabeth Weiss, an anthropology professor at San Jose State University, said that the field has been nosediving into an off-the-rails agenda, with activists pushing for some facts to be replaced with feelings. As anthropologists have developed more precise metrics to determine the sex of the human skeleton they study in the field, the more they get attacked for knowing and being able to determine those differences. So just as we are getting better and better at identifying what is male and what is female in the skeletal record, we are getting more and more attacked for knowing how to do this. Truth is not necessarily considered an objective goal, and the victim's narrative is more important than facts. Who tells the story is more important than the data, which we obviously know is not true. They don't want to identify if that remains as a male or a female anymore. They're scared to do that. Breitbart. Woke wars. Britain's Royal Navy. You were in the Navy, weren't you? Any other Navy people here? No, just you. Britain's Royal Navy tells sailors to introduce themselves with gender pronouns. 
from the Superior Word News Service. Michigan judges are ordered to use lawyers' preferred pronouns. That came from the Michigan Supreme Court. From the Western Journal, official release calls New York City residents to carry emergency medication for dying drug users. It's so bad they want everybody to carry that Narcon stuff so that if you find somebody that's dying, you give it to them. It's become the populace's responsibility to take care of what the government will not do. From the post-millennial, federal court rules trans activists are not marginalized allows Tennessee and Kentucky to ban child sex changes. Some good news. Okay, some other news from Zero Hedge. Is the U.S. military laying the groundwork to reinstitute the draft? The most recent edition of the U.S. Army War College's academic journal includes a highly disturbing essay on what lessons the U.S. military should take away from the continuing war in Ukraine. Now, I went to this to make sure this was a true article, and I went to the War College article, and there it is. Um, By far, the most concerning and most relevant section for the average American citizen is the subsection entitled Casualties, Replacements, and Reconstitutions which directly states large-scale combat operation troop requirements may well require reconceptualization of the 1970s and 1980s volunteer force and move toward partial conscription. Now, this is all theory. This isn't anything that they're actually doing. But because they're putting this out, it means that they may be planning this in the future because of what's going on in the Ukraine. So it's just raised some red flags. I don't want people to get concerned about this. But before I even go on, I would say that we have a surplus of young men in America right now that came here illegally. And what we could do is say, if you're willing to serve for four years faithfully, we will give you U.S. citizenship. And not go into a draft if it's necessary. That's just my thinking, but whatever. The context for this supposed need to reinstate conscription is the estimate that were the U.S. to enter into large-scale conflict, every day it would likely suffer 3,600 casualties and require 800 replacements, again, per day. The report notes that over the course of 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, the U.S. suffered 50,000 casualties, a number which would likely be reached in merely two weeks of large-scale intensive combat. The military is already facing an enormous recruiting shortfall. Last year, the Army alone fell short of its goal by 15,000 soldiers and is on track to be short an additional 20,000 this year. On top of that, the Individual Ready Reserve, which is composed of former service personnel who do not actively train and drill, but may be called back into active service in the event they are needed, has dropped from 700,000 in 1973 to 76,000 now. Prior to the Ukraine war, the fad theory in military planning was the idea of hybrid warfare, where the idea of a giant state army clashing on the battlefield, requiring consuming vast amounts of men and material, was viewed as out of date as massed cavalry charges. Instead, these theorists argued that even when states did fight, it would be via proxies and special operations. Sounds like what's going on in Ukraine right now. And would look more like the past 20 years of battling non-state actors in Afghanistan. 
In a recent essay in the Journal of Security Studies, realist scholar Patrick Porter documents the rise of this theory and the fact that it is obviously garbage given the return of industrial wars of attrition. As military planners have woken up from the fever dream of imagining that modern war consisted of chasing the Taliban through the hills with complete and overwhelming air power, they have similarly started to wake up to the idea that industrial war has vast manpower requirements and that seemingly the only way to fill these requirements is by forcing young people into the ranks. That has certainly been the only way Ukraine has been able to maintain its forces, although it has required increasingly draconian measures to do so, as conscripts face attrition rates of 80 to 90 percent by Ukraine's own admission. Obviously, the reintroduction of a conscription is an extremely disturbing prospect given America's propensity for getting involved in meaningless wars that accomplish nothing other than empowering our enemies killing and maiming our soldiers and wasting vast resources. This is especially true given the unstated assumptions implicit in this paper. Who is the enemy that would be inflicting 3,600 casualties a day? A war in the Pacific against China would primarily be a naval and air power war with an extremely limited role for the army. Even the current inept regime seems unlikely to be stupid enough to try and wage a land war against China, which obviously leaves Russia as the main adversary that would require the army to round up conscripts to feed into the attritional meat grinder. However, while these manpower shortages may be a valid concern for some place like Russia, Ukraine, or Poland, we here in the United States are quite fortunate that we have no compelling national interests that would require us to engage in an industrial war of attrition in Eastern Europe, at least not right now. So that's the whole point of this article is that they are theorizing this right now, knowing that they cannot wage a war that they thought they would be able to with modern technology, which means that if we enter into a war like that, a lot of people are going to get drafted and die. And so my thought is, if people really want to be in this nation, they should allow them to be in this nation after serving our nation. Otherwise, they can go back to where they came from. Yeah. This is just Charlie Garrett thinking, though. From Reuters, Biden's, you know what, I don't think I ever read this article, but it's come up a couple times in the past two months, is that Cuba, Cubans were going to Russia. They're being hired to be, you know, contractors and working in construction and stuff. And as soon as they got there, they've been shipped off to the Ukraine. Cubans, Yeah. Didn't even speak Russian, and here they're over there fighting for the Russians. Yep, Reuters, Biden's five-year offshore oil plan to have historically few lease sales and none in 2024. The admin's five-year plan for offshore oil and gas leasing will not include any sales in 2024 and will feature just three in the final four years the lowest number of auctions in the history of the program. The plan is almost certain to disappoint both environmental groups and oil companies. In recent years, politicians, environmentalists, and the oil industry have cast the national leasing program as a symbol of either the need to rein in fossil fuel development to avert the worst impacts of climate change, or as a critical tool to shore up domestic energy supplies and keep pump prices low. Since 1992, no 
five-year plan has had fewer than 11 lease sales, and most have had 15 to 20. The final plan will mark a dramatic reduction from a proposal the Trump admin had crafted in 2018 that envisioned 47 lease sales, including California and the Atlantic. The number of oil and gas lease sales will be the lowest in history and will enable the rapid expansion of the offshore wind industry which, by the way, is killing whales by the bucketful, okay? But they don't care about whales anymore on the left. Mail online. This is a great, great move. This is one of the best, smartest moves any governor has ever made. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker calls on Biden to direct migrants away from his state, despite boasting it was the most welcoming in the nation just two years ago. He made a great decision there, didn't he? He's a sanctuary state. And yet he's telling him not to send him to his state. From Watchers, data confirms robust weakening of the Gulf Stream. What that means, you know, things are cyclical. This has nothing to do with climate change. But what that means is that if the Gulf Stream weakens to the point where it's no longer really the Gulf Stream, the UK is going to be a really cold place to live. They have palm trees in southern UK right now, okay? That won't be the case anymore. But these, these things are cyclical. Things come up, things go down, and if it gets cold there, then they'll just have to buy more wool sweaters. Okay, from the Gateway Pundit. Now, there is evidence the FBI planned the January 6th operation and planted documents days earlier that were later used against innocent Americans. I'm not going to read the article. It was way long. If you want to read it, just type that into the scroll bar and you'll come up with it. New York Post. Ultra-right beer claims record-breaking sales from can-bearing Trump's mugshot. The guy's becoming a millionaire. Yeah. Who said it? When one with honeyed words but evil mind persuades the mob, great woes befall the state. Euripides. Doesn't anybody read Euripides anymore? That was right out of Orestes. Come on. She did 55 years ago and she doesn't remember it. I am embarrassed. Okay, got a Lesseric here for you. Was it boy or girls simply a fact? For God's truth is the truth, not abstract. What is truth? What is real? Isn't based on the feel. Those that say this is so are attacked. That's leave the bone alone, okay? All right. We got uh, just a minute to uh, encourage you. So I would like to remind you that uh, despite all of the trouble in the world and despite Israel's great, great trouble, God has a plan. Okay, these things we know. Um, I would hope that Sergio spoke before we did this. If you want to see his comments, please watch the opening comments. It follows after a missionary report, but he spoke about people that he knows personally that are in special operations getting ready to go in right now, okay? Uh, That was unclassified information, and uh, so they're just waiting for the call. Um, uh, Unfortunately, for them, it's fortunate they already know the Lord Jesus, Uh, Unfortunately, for those that don't know the Lord Jesus and don't call on him, eventually Israel is going to lose two-thirds of its population through this type of thing. So I would ask that you would pray for Israel. I would ask that you would pray for the people of Israel, not simply that uh, they will prevail in this war, because they will, but that they will 
have their eyes open to Jesus in great numbers because of this war. Uh, What's happening is terrible. I understand that. But Jesus is the hope of the nations. And he's also, even though they don't know it at this time, the hope of Israel. Okay. So, Heavenly Father, we do pray for Israel. We lift them up right now. And we pray that, uh, yes, they will be successful in this. We know that. But we would pray that there would be safety for the people that are fighting. And we would also pray that uh, many of these people that are believers in the armed services of Israel would be willing to speak out about their hope during this time of crisis. Lord, may it be so to your glory. And may many come to a saving knowledge of his grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay got two ironies for you here and they are called phone troubles mail online drug dealer phones 911 to complain to police someone stole ten dollars from him while he was selling marijuana and is promptly arrested and then from mail online brazen thief returns to california manicure supply store after stealing six hundred dollars of merchandise to demand return of the phone she left behind Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG Report for the Week.